a little Kirk Franklin. Do you know who that is? Yeah. Great songwriter, modern songwriter. And uh, appreciate the ministry of our band this morning, leading us into the presence of the Lord. Some churches you go to and sing songs. That's good. Songs can be an avenue and a, a way to worship. And uh, we, we use songs here as an avenue and a way to worship. But songs alone are not worship. It's what you do with the song that it becomes worship. Take your Bibles, if you will, and as you are, I'd like to dismiss all the young disciples. All the young disciples, you can be dismissed. Well, I know some of you are, shouldn't be moving right now. As they're exiting this morning, a couple reminders to you, and I know that we're pretty good with this, but please make sure your cell phones are are uh, inactive right now and, and silenced. That's always a, a good thing to check on and make sure. And uh, if you're like me, you think you checked it, and sometimes you didn't. And so make sure that you check it. One other thing I just want to mention as a housekeeping note, um, and it really doesn't matter whether I'm standing here or Pastor Matt is standing here or a guest is standing here to bring the word, Um, The bringing of the word is not complete until the service is complete because the Lord uses the word to speak to us. And when the Lord speaks to us, he wants a hearing from us and he wants a response oftentimes from us. And so just because we've closed the scripture and the words are complete doesn't mean what God is doing is complete. So I'm going to ask this congregation to be reverent. And I'm going to ask this congregation that if you do not have to slip out, do not. Do not. Because movement and activity is distracting. And even if you are quiet, and I know that you all would be, even though you move quietly, the people around you are conscious of that. And if the Lord is working within someone's heart, Maybe not exactly your heart in that moment, because not every service is for everybody. But oftentimes the service, the Holy Spirit is speaking with somebody, and we don't want to disrupt them. We don't want to distract them. So I'm just going to ask you to be reverent and to stay to the completion of the service and not move about. That way we will be honoring the Holy Spirit in his presence. Amen? Amen? Matthew chapter 21 is where we're going to be this morning. Today is known as Palm Sunday. As I mentioned earlier, this is the day that Christians remember Christ's entry into Jerusalem. The day had finally arrived. It's the day that Jesus would step forward into the public eye and take the place that he deserved the kingship of Israel, the throne of David, the leadership of God's people. They had been without a king for so long and had been living under the heavy hand of the Roman government, but now, today, Jesus would step out and ascend to the place he had been claiming to hold. 
He had been setting the stage for the months of his brief ministry. The one sent from God the Father to do good through his profound teaching, the healing he performed for the blind, the deaf, the crippled, the leper, and even for those who didn't deserve his touch, like the woman from Samaria and the Roman centurion, was now seen as Messiah. He had confounded the religious teachers with his teachings, not only in word, but in authority. None could compare. His ministry, his reputation, his influence and growing popularity had been growing to the dismay and aggression of the religious and political elites. Surely, all of this had been the plan to now claim the throne of David. And today is the day. Jerusalem would be filled with pilgrims and residents alike with Passover before them. Certainly, their eyes were turned toward the Messiah. And now, Jesus enters the crowded streets. Look with me at verse 7. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna! In the highest, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. What's happening here? What's happening in this story, this account? Jesus here turns the corner in his public ministry. He came from a very obscure ministry. And many times we know that as Jesus performed miracles and healings, he would tell those that received the healing or miracle, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. And oftentimes people did not, but oftentimes people did because the healing was so dramatic. The miracle was so great. How could they not? How could they not? spread the good word of who Jesus was. Yet Jesus remained fairly obscure, especially in his early ministry. And as he ministered and as his popularity and his reputation grew, so did the opposition from the religious and the political leadership of the day. The opposition to him grew because they saw a popularity growing. They saw a following beginning to blossom and mushroom, and it threatened them. It threatened their leadership. It threatened their control. And so the religious and the political leaders were very aggressively trying to eliminate, if not silence, Jesus. But now Jesus, it says earlier in this passage in verse 1, Jesus makes a decision on the most populated week on the Jewish calendar to come into a more public eye. He steps out of the privacy of Mary and Martha's home in Bethany where Lazarus had been raised from the dead. And he begins to make a journey into Jerusalem. And on his way, 
he points out to his disciples the direction they should go in order to find for him a donkey on which to ride. Notice verses 1 and following. As they approached Jerusalem, came to Bethphage, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. If you look in your notes in your Bible today, if you have a study Bible, you'll see that's a quote from Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Jesus was fulfilling prophecy given of him for this day in Zechariah 9. In Mark 11, when Mark tells this story, in fact, you'll find this story in all four Gospels in the New Testament. Mark talks about the transportation, the donkey as a donkey on which no one has ridden. In other words, he's sacred. He's set apart. He's intended for a royal use. And certainly when Jesus mounted that donkey that day, he was making that donkey of royal use. We see the crowds. They're gathered. The description here says the crowds are gathered before and behind him. And people were so enamored with Jesus and what he was to become for them, that they took their cloaks off, their outer coats, and they stretched them out in front of the donkey. And they wanted to make the path a, a comfortable one. They wanted to, to show their, their acclamation and their adoration and their support and their acknowledgement of Jesus as King. And so they spread their cloaks out before them. Some went to, went to trees and broke off branches and took the branches. We see little, the little palms. You know, the kids in children's church will get them today. You know, the little palms. We think, oh, all the people were standing. No, people had taken branches off of trees and were waving the branches and crying out, Hosanna, son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. And they were praising and they were worshiping. And they were looking at Jesus within their minds, thinking, He's here. It's time. All that He's done, all that He's said has brought us to this moment. It's going to happen. His kingship is going to be established. The Messiah, the one that we have been waiting for, that our grandparents have been waiting for, our great-grandparents have been waiting for, for hundreds and thousands of years of history, He has arrived. And not only do we acknowledge him, he is stepping out into a public place to say, I'm king. I'm king. He makes the messianic claim. And the crowds respond. And I mentioned there in verse 9, Hosanna. We heard it sung this morning. Hosanna. What does Hosanna mean? 
Hosanna comes from two Hebrew words that mean hosa, save, na or na, meaning we beseech you now. So in other words, the crowd was saying, save us now, save us now, son of David, blessed are you that comes in the name of the Lord, save us now. And they were crying out, quoting Psalm 118, verse 25, the Messianic psalm there, which calls for the saving of the people, for the Messiah. What a day this was. Such excitement. There was a buzz in the streets. People were pumped. They were hyped. This was the moment. Jesus was going to now take up his earthly kingdom. It was as many thought Jesus was, the Messiah, and now he publicly steps out. Yet, was this really how it was supposed to happen? Jesus knew that he was to be and was the king of the Jews, and not only the king of the Jews, but as we've come to know him, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And yes, Jesus did answer their cry. But after this day of celebration, of crying out, of praise, of worship, there's a corner that Jesus turned and he dismounted the donkey. He came down from the place of the people's praise. And after his final teachings and after his final supper and after he was finally betrayed and denied, and after his final prayer of complete surrender, and as we've learned, Gethsemane, the place of crushing, Jesus lays himself down. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Was he not the king? Was he not to be exalted? Was he not to be taking rulership? Was he not to be stepping into the place of rulership? Wasn't he supposed to go sit on David's throne? Wasn't he to dismount the donkey to ascend to a throne? But instead, in the days ahead, and you will read them in the readings of Scripture this week, Jesus continues to step down. He doesn't humanly step up. He spiritually continues to step down. Think about the betrayal of Judas. Think about the denial of Peter. Think about the last supper when he looked into the eyes of his disciples and he said, it will just be a little while and I will lay down my life for you. There will be a ransom made and it will be me. And then he moves from the last supper into a a garden at night. And he goes and he face down, begins to pray and call out to his Father in a last prayer. Oh, Father, please, if you could take this cup from me, 
please, would you take this cup? We don't read that part of the prayer in Scripture, but I believe it's implied. Why? Because he uses the word nevertheless. Or even be even with what I had just prayed in mind, nevertheless, not what I want, Lord, but what you want. He was pressed in that moment. He was descending. He was not ascending. He finally comes to the place where, as John chapter 10, 18 says, he says there, no one takes my life from me. Lest we think that the soldiers came and apprehended him, lest we think that that Pontius Pilate made the decision or Herod made the decision or the crowds made the decision or the soldiers made the decision. They all were involved in the decision, but Jesus made the decision. He made the decision to lay his life down. No man takes my life from me, he said. I lay it down willingly. When the soldiers took his wrists and his feet to attach them to the cross and to nail them there, there was no struggle. There was no fight. There was only surrender. And in that surrender, my friend, Jesus answered the cry of the people that day. Save us. Save us now. And instead of Jesus succumbing to the moment of praise, he looked through the praise. He received the praise, but he saw the cross. And the cries of the people were to save us. And in his heart, I'm sure he thought, I will save you. You and countless thousands of others from this point forward. And by faith, retroactively back into the faith of the Old Testament, heroes and characters and figures. Jesus would save, but he wasn't going to save the way the people wanted him to save. You see, if Jesus would have moved in the influence and the cries of the people that day, he would have taken control of the political and the religious scene of Israel. He would have fixed things, you know. He would have had the power... He would have had the influence. He could have taken a political and religious place on the throne and saved Israel that day. But he didn't. If he would have, the lives of men and women from that, from that day until now would have not been saved. Would not have been saved. Aren't you glad that Jesus looked beyond that day? He received the praise. He received the accolades. He knew that on the other side of the cross, that he would be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
and his kingdom really would be established. Kingdom within the hearts and lives of men and women. That's how he would save. That's how he would save. As we conclude this morning, there's two things I want to draw to our attention as we think about the message and the picture that we've just looked at this morning. For those of you that are believers this morning, we cry to God, don't we? Sometimes we call out and sometimes we cry to God. (laughs) We do. We have cries. We have desires. We have wants. And sometimes our cry is just like the people on that day. Save me now. Fix it now. We cry to God, and the beautiful thing is the Scripture tells us that He hears us. Jeremiah 33.3 Call unto me, and I will answer you. And it goes on to say, and I'll show you great and mighty things that you, that you don't know anything about. Psalm 3, verse 4 says, And I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and He heard me out of His holy hill. We cry out to God. We cry out to God for Him to save us now. And, and God is answering our cry. But let me just say to us this morning, He doesn't come to fix it. He comes to save you. He doesn't come to fix the circumstances in which you're living. He doesn't come to fix your spouse. He doesn't come to fix your job. He doesn't come to make life as you would like it to be. In the midst of your life, He wants to save you. That's what Jesus' eye was on. His eye was not on the political and religious circumstances around Him. His eye was on the cross. And in the cross, we're saved. In the cross, we're saved. So God is answering our prayer. Save now, Lord. He is saving now. But just remember, His saving may not be the same as your fixing. In fact, Jesus' name Himself was the Lord saves or deliverer. Yeshua, salvation. His name in and of itself is salvation and deliverance. He wants to do something in us before He wants to do something for us. He loves to do things for us, but His primary desire is to do something in us. Then for some of you that may be sitting here this morning, the Scripture says, today is the day of Jesus. Today, is the day of deliverance. Today is the day of Yeshua. Today is the day of salvation. If you're trying to fix your life, forget it. For those of you that don't know Christ personally, 
Maybe you've been trying to fix your life, and it is not working. It's not supposed to. Life and its challenges are meant to lead us to the Savior. Life and its circumstances, life and its detours, life and its dead ends, life and its disappointments are not meant for us to work harder to fix it. It's intended for us to throw ourselves on the Savior and to say, Save. Now, me, I let you in. Come in and be my Savior. Come in and be the one that rescues me, that delivers me, that that changes me, that works in me. Whatever the circumstances are around, it doesn't really matter the circumstances. What matters is what you're doing in me. Save now. Work now in me. My friends, that's the message. Palm Sunday for us this morning. Hosanna! Blessed be the one that comes in the name of the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. Save now. And Jesus says, yes, I'm saving now. By the cross. By the sacrifice. By the surrender that I have made for you, you can be and are saved. I may not be the answer to your circumstantial issues, but I am the Savior of your soul. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus. I thank you, Father, for the day that he rode through the streets and the people acknowledged who he was and called out for him and praised him. I thank you for that glorious day filled with praise and acknowledgement. But, Lord, I thank you that Jesus completed the mission. I thank you, Lord, that Jesus was not short-sighted, but he saw the end, and Hebrews says, but for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. I thank you, Lord, that you pushed through, that you sacrificed and you surrendered because now we are saved. Now we are forgiven. Now we are cleansed. Now we are whole. Now we have the King of kings and the Lord of lords ruling and reigning in us today. Thank you. Thank you. Just take a moment and thank Him. Just take a moment and praise Him. He has done this for you. He has done this for us today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And we praise you today. We love you today for what you've done. For what you've done. So, Lord, I pray today for your body, your believers today, the Christians in this room. Lord, I pray that we would not be fixated Lord, on the circumstantial things of life, that, Lord, that we will lay our hearts open before you and we would invite you to save us. We would invite you to work in us. Lord, we would invite you to take up your rulership in us before we look around us for the answers and for the 
fixing of our lives, Lord. May we start with the things that we should start with. And that's you at the center in salvation in us. I'm just going to ask us to keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed because maybe there's someone here this morning that would say, you know, Pastor Cindy, I've been in in a place where I'm trying to get my life to, to work and I'm trying to, to fix things. I'm trying to, to work at things and get them right. I can't get them right. I want to tell you, my friend, today that one of the reasons you can't get them right is because you have to go to the source. You have to go to the core, the starting place. And the starting place is Jesus. The starting place is your relationship with Him. The starting place is an invitation to say, Jesus, save now that you could have that relationship with Him. That's where it starts, my friend. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, is there anyone this morning that would say, just by lifting your hand, Pastor Cindy, that's me. That's me. I need salvation today. I know it. I know it. I've got this hole in my heart. I've got this emptiness. Life is not adding up, and I don't know what to do about it. I'm just empty. But today, I want salvation. I want Christ to come in and fill the source, fill the hole, fill the place, the longing in me that needs filled. Only He can do it. Is there anyone this morning who would say, Pastor Cindy, that's me. I lift my hand. I just want to lift my hand and acknowledge, that's me. That's me. Yes. Anyone else? Yes. There's a hole there. Yes. Continue to lift your... Yes. Thank you. Thank you for... Yes. Thank you for your honesty. There's a hole. There's something missing. Something missing. There's something missing. Something missing. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today in your gentle way. Thanks, God. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? There's others just raising their hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Those of you that lifted your hand, just keep them lifted. I want to pray for you. I like congregation, you just to join us in prayer. And those of you that have your hand lifted, Just repeat after me in congregation. Let's pray with them to encourage them in this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I confess to you, I've been trying to fix my life. I've been trying to make things right. And there's a lot of things, Lord, that I don't even understand. But now, today, is the day of salvation. And I open up my heart and I welcome you to come in. I give up on fixing things. I give up on working on things. And I open my heart and I open my spirit fully to you. Come in, Jesus, and work in me 
May today be salvation for me, that I might live for you and let you live in me. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.